We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. RJ Barrett, rookie with the New York Knicks, his brand new collection with Indochino just dropped. Featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings, RJ helped pick out and design himself. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. Chino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. That's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. BLUEWIRE New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me tonight, 
It is not Kyle Madsen. We gave him the night off. It is Jess Root of Cardswire of the USA Today Sports Media Group, live from the desert. Jess, what's going on, man? Well, the weather's great out here, so we're not cold. We're not too hot. And on the football side of things, well, there's promise. It's just not turning into winds right now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's understandable. And and I've been there. Jess, Jess of course, covers the Cardinals for uh, the the wire networks over at USA uh, TSMG. And uh, and I I feel like where you're at in terms of the team you're covering is, is very relatable for me because uh, but before the Kyle Shanahan regime started in 2017 I mean Kyle was the the fourth coach in four seasons um, so I'm used to covering rebuilding projects so I totally get uh, what it's like for you in, in that every offseason is loaded with a ton of roster turnover you have plenty of stuff to write about in terms of um, the the systems changing on both sides of the ball and, and how players fit and everything like that. So I think the Cardinals are a really interesting team. And I know they're 3-6-1, and one, which which isn't exactly a sterling record, but um, I think there is some promise there. And, and being in Arizona on Halloween a couple weeks ago, I think we started to see some of that and, and some of the problems that Kyler Murray, the first overall pick, of course, can, can pose for really good defenses like the 49ers. So... Jess, why don't we start there? What are your impressions of, of Kyler Murray so far? What what are the things that he does well? What are the things that maybe he needs to work on? And also, uh, another aspect of, of that question is, is what he's doing within Cliff Kingsbury's offense sustainable over, over the long term, in your opinion, based on your experience covering the league and, and how you see offenses evolve over time? Well, start with just the play of Kyler Murray to start with. And the honest truth is he has been everything and even more than what you could have hoped from a rookie quarterback and not just a rookie quarterback, a rookie quarterback who had one year starting experience, who came out of the Big 12 where um, traditionally quarterbacks kind of come to the league and die out of that league, out of that conference, who is undersized and he he's a special talent is what we've seen so far um because he has the running ability of we haven't even touched scratched the surface to what he can do in the running game um in terms of his run talent he's been compared to Michael Vick he doesn't do it nearly as often but his throwing talent his arm talent is incredible he can make every throw and despite being 510 he's got enough arm strength to throw lasers down the field he has really good touch and and his accuracy and decision making he can throw guys open uh, he can read and anticipate Uh, honestly everything that he's done is has been impressive and and even more so is the fact of how much he's taken care of the ball you know through 10 games he has only five interceptions he hasn't lost a fumble all year Um, and so he hasn't had the number of touchdown passes. I mean, 12 touchdown passes in 10 games seems low for what some of the projections were. He right now is on pace for between 4,100 and 4,200 passing yards, which he's already broken the Cardinals rookie record of passing yards, which was set by Matt Leiner way back in 2006. But if he finishes in that 4,000 range, he will be 
this at least the it, it will be the sixth best passing season by any quarterback in team history ever, wow. bested only by the three quarterback legends: Neil Lomax, uh, Kurt Warner, and and Carson Palmer. And he's doing it at at an at a rate in which he is throwing so few interceptions. We go back to 2013 with with Bruce Arians and his new offense for the team, and they brought over Carson Palmer. He had, um, I think it was 14 interceptions in the first eight games of the season, I think, or first seven games of the season. He was a turnover machine, and that's what you kind of expect out of rookie quarterbacks. He's only had five. He's been super careful with the ball. Now, one thing I haven't seen from him yet, and it felt it's felt purposeful, it feels like they've been keeping him from running, which is really interesting. He's been, he is a passing quarterback, and he runs when he needs to, but it's felt like they've kind of left that out of the game plan. And even the way Cliff Kingsbury talks, it's like he really doesn't want him to run, even though that was part of the his game that that people were really excited about coming out of college. Uh, that said, he's, he's on pace to break um, rushing records for Cardinals quarterbacks. And the thing that, that he struggled with early on in the season was making decisions quickly. Playing in, playing in college, he was able to to roam around in the backfield, wait, make plays down the field, wait for something. But the speed of the NFL is faster, and he was sacked 20 times in the first four games of the season. Almost at least half of those were because he waited too long, and was he would either you scramble and run out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage, counting for a sack, or he'd trip, or he'd get shoestrung. But there, he never he, that this so far this year he hasn't been hit where he didn't see the sack coming. Um, since then, uh, since those first four games, he, they've now given up another 11 sacks in the next six games. So things have improved immensely. And so he's making better decisions. He's getting rid of the ball and throwing the ball away. As, as, as Cliff Kingsbury said, is he, he knows when the party is over and, and decides to go with another play. They've eliminated a lot of negative plays. Not all of them. They're getting better at that. And as a result, the offense has been humming. Yeah, so I was I was pleasantly surprised by by the way the offense played against the 49ers in in that Halloween game and and some of that too. I mean, those Thursday nights are weird, but let's face it, but some of it too was was yes. the fact I think that the Niners defense was pretty gassed in the second half having to travel on the short week and then going up tempo I think was really smart by by Cliff Kingsbury and um, we saw the 49ers get gassed a little bit with with the running game, but I I want to get back to, to Kyler Murray we we didn't talk at least on on a podcast format uh, about what happened in the draft and Kyler Murray measuring in at five ten and obviously being tall enough to to be the number one pick by by the Cardinals. But there was serious consideration for them to take Nick Bosa, and obviously that decision has massive ramifications on on the future of the NFC West, and and we're seeing the the early beginnings of it right now. Um, how, how close do you think the Cardinals were? to taking Nick Bosa, just given the fact that they do need help on defense opposite Chandler Jones. Um, and how much of a slam dunk was it for them to take Kyler? I know you just spoke really highly of him, and, and it looks like he's going to be a really good quarterback. But what was it close with, with Nick Bosa, and how difficult of a decision do you think that was for Cliff Kingsbury and, and the personnel department? Well, Obesa, actually, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about that this week. Um, and he kind of talked a little bit about it. It sounded like they knew all along. Well, they, there there was a. I can't remember at what point it was, 
I know they were the reports came out that after the combine they knew, but general manager Steve Kime really didn't start looking at the tape till after that. He didn't want to, uh, but he fell in love with Kyler Murray, and they were they were all in love with Joe, with Nick Bosa as well. So it wasn't a case of they. It was just that they needed a. They felt they had to take this quarterback, and. And while most of the discussion was is that everyone sort of felt that probably Josh Rosen was was promising enough, but now in hindsight, seeing what's happened to Miami now, he it sounds like Josh Rosen has really gotten the worst possible NFL situation that he could have gotten, um, and so we'll never really know if he's going to be good or not but at the same time he's not shown what Kyler Murray in 10 games has already shown and so I think it was a slam dunk once they realized what type of talent the Kyler Murray was at quarterback they knew they they had to take him because otherwise if they had any doubt about Rosen at all if you have Rosen at quarterback and he's eh, but you have Nick Bosa sure you've got this great defense but then you're the Denver Broncos <laughs> they're the right, Denver Broncos right. with with Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch and you've got two elite edge rushers but you have a, a pathetic offense that's understandable yeah I, I do I do get that decision and, and when you can get a franchise quarterback who is a perfect fit for your for your offense that that's what you should do and and I was a fan of of the pick by Arizona um, and, and it happened to work out really well for the 49ers. And it was funny because at the combine and, and everything leading up to the draft, you know, it was clear the Niners were not going to take a quarterback, but you would get Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch being like, oh man, I'll just put on Kyler Murray's tape just for fun because he's so exciting to watch and, and he's so much fun to watch. I just love watching the all 22 and stuff like that. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> like, we, we, we know what you're doing here. We know, we know Bose is your guy. And, uh, and you're trying to do whatever you can to, to pump up the stock of Kyler Murray, uh, whether you know it would be the Cardinals taking him or maybe the 49ers trading back to another team that would want to take him with the two-pick if Bosa did go one. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave? Well, it hasn't changed all that much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's is a return to the essential quality durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middleman manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century, which means you get incredibly high quality blades at factory direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription, and there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of our show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. 
Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. So that's that's some of the funny thing. Those are some of the funny things that that happened leading up to the draft. But back to uh, back to the Cardinals and and what to look forward to um, on Sunday when they come to Levi's Stadium. What's going on with David Johnson? Because from afar, and I'll admit I haven't done a ton of research uh, on what's going what's happening with him. But he did have a few carries last week in their uh, game in Tampa Bay, and this was a guy that got a huge contract was considered to be one of the best offensive weapons in the league for a while um he's dealt with his share of injuries and now he's now he's sort of an afterthought after after the cardinals acquired Kenyon drake so uh why why don't you explain to me and anybody else who is confused by by everything that's happened with david johnson (laughs) over these last few months well it's it is puzzling and even those people in the organization, when people are asked what's wrong with David Johnson, they say they don't know. They honestly don't know sure. because he is – in terms of – I can explain some of this stuff. So um, if we want to take it back to the end of 2016. So we really haven't seen the same David Johnson since 2016. And what happened in the very last game against the Rams in Week 17, he injured his knee. And it looked like it looked brutally bad. And it turned out to be just like an MCL. It took us about six weeks to, to recover. But then in 2017, in game one against the, the Lions, when he when he broke his hand, his wrist, or whatever the, the injury exactly was, he didn't look good then. Now Detroit had a pretty solid defense at the time. He got hurt and didn't play it again in 2017. Last season, there was no explosiveness at all. But then he was playing on a historically bad offense with a terrible offensive line that was running on its third and fourth string players at some positions in an offensive scheme that was, you know, we're talking late 90s, early 2000s in terms of philosophy under Mike McCoy. And he was being asked to run up the middle in bunch for in tight formations um, as opposed to, you know, putting him in space, which Bruce Arians did and lining him out at at wide receiver out in the slot to make plays. Okay. 
his running looks different now. He doesn't seem to be running with the same explosiveness. Now he is playing in his third offensive season, a uh, third offensive system in as many years. Now, granted, the Arian system he knew pretty well. Last year he was learning a new one. He's learning a new one this year. That's not necessarily an excuse for a player who's in his fifth year, but you can. He's running the ball right now like a like a man who isn't super comfortable, and he's now had. One, two, three, four running backs coaches in the last four or five years. He went from Stump Mitchell with the Cardinals, who really helped him sort of explode, to Freddie Kitchens, to, um, can't remember the name of the guy who was it last year, can't go off the top of my head, um, to now he's got Jim James Saxon, who is who was Le'Veon Bell's running backs coach at Pittsburgh. And, and if you watch David Johnson run, you get kind of a vibe that he's trying to run with patience to wait for something to develop before. And we see Lev Bell do that all the time. He's, he's, he's incredibly patient, like he's kind of dancing around, dancing around, and then he goes. Johnson just hasn't had a chance to go yet. Now, if you want to look at his production, his production's been down across the board. But at the same time, before he got hurt, uh, through six games of the season, I think it was, it was, at one, it was before he got hurt, he was still 10th in the league in the yards from scrimmage. So it wasn't like he was being bad. He was just not running the ball great. And and I'm going to point to a few things. Now, he five five carries for two yards, that's not going to cut it. And then one carry for two yards in the last game, that's not going to cut it, especially when you got Kenyon Drake coming in and, and you know in his debut rushing for 110 against the 49ers off the bat. And he was doing that off of three days of experience in the offense. And so it looks really bad for Johnson. But if you look at his production, he has had solid production in the running game. If he's gotten volume, if he's had 15 carries or more, he was averaging over four yards a carry and he was producing the yards. And then on top of that, we've had big games where he was dynamic in the passing game. Um, he seems right now to be kind of lost his way. I, I don't, I don't know if it's just that Cliff Kingsbury has kind of lost faith in him and, and he was actually benched after the fumble against the Bucks. Um, it looks like he right now, Kingsbury loves the juice that Drake brings to the offense. And so we're going to have to see how that goes with David Johnson. Obviously the Bucks had the, the, the league's best run defense, but they didn't use him lined up at receiver either where he really true that's actually what where he's best he's a good running out of a spread formations um he can get something he's he's not running with the same he doesn't seem to have the same explosiveness we haven't seen the jump cut or the the elusive the, the great stiff arm he had from a couple years a couple three years ago but he he still is a great route runner and a great pass catcher, and that seems to have been lost in the last few games. But Cardinals fans aren't aren't real happy with him right now. They're they're kind of disenchanted with him. They're kind of losing faith, and especially in the games he was out the the two games up until last week against the Giants, Chase Edmonds ran for one twenty six, and then Kenyon Drake, and that was his first real heavy load of his entire career, 126 and three touchdowns. And then Kenyon Drake comes in, rushes for 36 yards, his first carry and 110 yards and a touchdown in his debut. And it makes you makes Johnson look like, hey, we're just able to plug running backs in and they're going for 110, 120 yards. Well, What's there, up with David Johnson? There, there's also the contract that, that I just pulled up. It was a it was a three-year, $39 million extension he signed in September 2018. Um, the guaranteed salary in 2019 isn't terrible. It's 5.7 million. 
Um, obviously, you can't get off of that contract right now because there's $18.9 million in dead money if you do. Uh, but there's $10.2 million in guaranteed money for next year. Uh, and then thirteen point two in dead money if you try to release him with a post-June 1 designation. Um, I understand why there would be angst because that's a that's a massive $14.25 million cap hit for next season. And this is a guy who, I mean, I, I, I understand why fans would be frustrated given the production relative to the contract. Uh, is, is there any way that, that the Cardinals can move off of this? Or is this just going to be some money that they're going to have to eat over the next couple of years, whether he's on the team or not? Well, cutting him is pretty much out of the question. <laughs> cutting him is not going to work. You, you can... L- if they're somehow, if they decide to move on from him, if they can trade him, then it's not so bad because that guaranteed salary part goes to another team, and then all you're left with is the six million dollars in dead money from the signing bonus. Maybe the Bruce problem Arians is, will be interested. Hey, maybe, they, maybe they, uh, they could use a running back in Tampa Bay. I would guess. That said, uh, I'm. At, I'll go with wait and see because we we don't know what we're going to see from Kenyon Drake for the rest of the season, sure. and. and He's a free agent at the end of the year, um, but we obviously want to see something because what like what what Steve Kime did with Tyron Matthew a few years ago that's not going to work because this one is significantly more now as of right now it I believe it says that half of his salary next year is already guaranteed I don't know at one point it becomes fully guaranteed okay um, because at, as of right now five point one is is fully guaranteed for next year. Um, and then, and the, the way is the structure is set up is that in March, um, part of his 2021 salary becomes fully guaranteed. It was it was a well structured deal to get him some guaranteed money uh, going into that. Now, no one thought he was going to fall off the table in terms of production. So, does he have a place? I, I think he needs a little bit of success. And, and what kind of my hope is is that he's not the current version of Matt Leinart. Uh, and I mean it the, the like this. The running back version? Right, because Matt Leinart, his rookie year, showed all sorts of promise. Now, they fired Denny Green after that. He also got hurt. He, he broke his collarbone. And and so he comes back. Ken Wisenhunt didn't have the same belief in Leinart. And the second that Ken Wisenhunt made, put him in a situation where he had to compete... He he didn't produce the same way, and and going back, Pete Carroll I believe said the same thing about him back at USC. Is that he really kind of struggled when he had to kind of prove himself. But once someone showed faith, okay, he 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 flourished. That's I guess that's probably kind of a flaw in an in a pro athlete because competition is sort of the end all be all in every situation. And now that Johnson doesn't necessarily have the complete faith of his coach. We'll have to see how he reacts. Now, I think I think the best scenario, if he doesn't continue, if he doesn't, if he doesn't ever bounce back, is to trade him somewhere for a bag of chips or a late round pick or well, or something. You might have to attach a pick to him. It's 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 possible to, to get it off is of possible that to do that, but they do um, technically they do have plenty of money looking ahead in twenty twenty two to accommodate for his salary uh, depending on how much how many resources they throw at the running back position. So they still have Chase Edmonds who's on his rookie deal. 
I don't know what kind of contract the Kenyan Drake's, if they want to resign, if he's going to command what he's going to command. I, I, based on one good game, I don't know if he's going to get the same attention, say, like we could, what the 49ers threw at Jared McKinnon or the Lamar Miller situation when they were really kind of a number two the whole time and sure. then someone threw money to be a starter. I don't know if you'll get that from Drake. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting dilemma that the Cardinals find themselves in. I, I do want to switch to the defensive side um, because looking at the – I mean, looking at the point spread, first of all, um, it's I think it started at 11.5 points and now it's down to 10.5, which – uh, I mean, the 49ers are clearly one of the best teams in the conference. The, the record is proves that and, and what they've done so far, obviously. Um, and they should be heavy favorites at home. But I'm looking at this game with the possibility that they might be without Emmanuel Sanders, who had uh, over 100 yards and, and a touchdown in that game two weeks ago on Halloween. And the Niners are in all likelihood not going to have George Kittle, who we learned on Monday night is probably – the most important non-quarterback on non-quarterback player on on their offense so the 49ers weren't able to move the ball very well against the Seahawks and the Seahawks are basically a defensive institution as long as Pete Carroll's there the Cardinals clearly are not um, they allowed 411 total yards to the Niners a couple weeks ago they allowed 457 last week to Jameis Winston and the Bucks, who scored 30 points um, they did get three turnovers or three takeaways, I should say. So, where are you at with the defense? What, what's the status of, of some of the key guys? I know Patrick Peterson is a little nicked up right now. I think he returned to practice today on Thursday. Is it true he's never missed a game in his career? To injury, correct. Wow. He's never missed a game because of yeah, injury. He was suspended he, that was dating year. back in 20. Yeah, he was suspended, but back in 2014, I think it was. Right. Um, he dealt with some some left he had some he had issues with diabetes he i found out it was diabetes after the fact and and there was there were a couple of games where he had an ankle issue that might have sidelined it, but he played through it so no this and he's not going to miss this game sure. vance joseph said today he's going to play um so but i i it looked like i was afraid that with last week because of the time off and then the three games in 11 days type of situation that or the, there's the three games in the in the in the time period that they have that things were going to not be so good for for Patrick and I thought that he was actually going to miss some time. That said, the defense is bad. There, I mean, there's there's no good way to go about this because they've given up more than 25 points in every single game this year. They have given up over 100 yards rushing, I believe, in every single game this year. Um, they didn't get an interception until their seventh game of the season. Uh, it sounds like the they are doing okay. Defense last week. Oh, jeez, yes. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I don't know what to make of this defense because last year they were bad. <laughs> right. They were bad. They were terrible against the run. And everyone talked about, oh, they're playing a 4-3. Steve Wilkes' defensive system stakes. We need to get back to an attacking 3-4 defense. So that's what they did. They brought Vance Joseph in. And their defense is statistically even worse. Now, in fairness, a lot of the moves they made just flat didn't work out. Robert Kimdichie came into camp. Now, he wasn't going to be available until about midseason anyway, but he came in out of shape, fat, and so yeah, we got cut. Darius Phylon was looking great. Darius Phylon looked so great in camp. And then apparently he decided to allegedly 
threaten women with a weapon at a strip club. And so he got cut. Uh, (laughs) He was, and so the defensive line has just lacked some talent. The linebacking core, so you're getting great production from Chandler Jones. Jordan Hicks has been productive. He's been very good. But that other linebacker spot, Hassan Reddick, this has disappointed as a first-round pick. He Obviously, if you, if you look at what he was, he came out of high school as a defensive back. He grew, and he became an edge rusher at Temple. Now, in college, he's undersized. So he's, what, 6'2", 243. That's 6'2", uh, 6'2", 245, with 235, 240 in there. So that's your inside linebacker speed mm-hmm. at that build. He's not big enough to play the edge. And when he played the edge his rookie year out of necessity, when Marcus Golden tore his ACL, he wasn't all that productive. But he's also still, he, he went from playing inside backer to outside backer to 4-3 outside backer to now 3-4 inside backer again. And the, the guy just has zero instincts as a linebacker. Mm-hmm. He has all the athleticism in the world. And he basically got benched in base sets right before the last San Francisco game, or they actually came the week before that, because... Any team that runs any sort of misdirection, motion, or anything other than straight at him in the running game, he loses it. And so he breaks contain, he'll be in the wrong spot, and, and he will he won't fit the run. He does have the athleticism to play in the pass, but he still makes mistakes. So he's got the athleticism to make plays in coverage. So linebacker, inside linebacker's been a mess. They were without Patrick Peterson for the first six games. Veteran safety DJ Swearinger was terrible to start the season, and they cut him. And so they're now playing with Buda Baker's been fantastic the last several weeks. Yeah, he was and really good rookies. in that game uh, until George Kittle stiff armed him yeah, for a touchdown. The that's first right. Game. He he. It was and, and you can't you can't expect anyone to shut down George Kittle. Right. Honestly, <laughs> you can't do it. But he made some great plays, and then Kittle made a couple plays and embarrassed him. But still, it, overall, it was a great. He's playing great ball. But they've got another pair of rookies that they rotate at the other safety spot. One's a fifth round pick this year and one's a supplemental pick that they picked up this year. So they're playing young guys and honestly, they just don't have the talent. And I think when you look at the scheme between the last two seasons and you're getting similar performance, clearly it's more of a talent thing, unless you're saying it's coaching two years in a row. That said, that said at this point of the year, you you shouldn't still, because Defenses and new systems usually start gelling after week eight. It's not happening. So something's got it. The only bright spot to this defense is Chandler Jones. And even he, for the first, before the, the Giants game, when he when he busted loose for however many thousand sacks he had on Daniel Jones, he, was, he, he consistently gets a sack a game. That's almost a given. He's going to get a sack a game. But sometimes then he, he doesn't do much else. Right. Now, he leads the league in, in forced fumbles, so he's got five strip sacks, I think, maybe six. He's got 11 to five half sacks. So he's the only thing that is the bright spot on this defense. Um, so Yeah. And so they the, the defense, like, the thing. It sounds like you, the, the Cardinals are a long ways away, maybe, from, from being able to. You know? Well, so, so honestly, what, what they're not. Like. Uh, I think this team only needs the, if the offense is what we believe it's going to be because it looks like it is. They they put up 27 points last week and were one of 10 on third down and were one of four in the red zone. Mm-hmm. That's insane. So this this is an offense that still hasn't even scratched the surface. They scored 25 points and find five at least 25 in the five of the last six games. They're the only team. They're the only offense to put more than 20 points on the board against the Niners. Um, the, there is a whole bunch right. of firsts that things that the Cardinals did offensively against the Niners. Grand short week and everything, but the offense looks good. 
if this defense were even ranked 22nd, 21st, or 20th, um, my co-host on the co- on the podcast I have, I don't know where he got it, but he was reading. He said if this defense were ranked in the like 20th, they'd be seven and three right now. They'd be a, they'd be a playoff team. And I think that's, if we look at bigger picture, they talked a big game about returning to a top 10 defense. This defense does not need to do great. They just need to be competent. And they haven't been competent. Yeah. Well, so I want to uh, I want to wrap, wrap this up here with, uh, with your prediction. I, I do think the Niners are probably going to win, but the Niners are really banged up. And I think that uh, double-digit spread is, um, that's a lot of points considering oh that gosh, the 49ers yes. weren't able to move the ball really at all on Monday night without George Kittle and, and Emmanuel Sanders. And obviously Monday was the first time they, they've been without Kittle since his rookie season. Um, and so he's just a really important piece of, of what they do, obviously. And, and he's not going to play in all likelihood on, on Sunday. So I think there's a chance the 49ers offense might struggle, particularly if, if Arizona can figure out ways to slow the run. And I know it doesn't sound like you're too optimistic about that, but the Niners are going to be without Kittle, who's their best run blocker, and Joe Staley. Um, Matt Breida might not play because he's got an ankle injury. Kyle Juszczyk returned, the fullback returned on, on Monday for the, for the first time in five weeks. Um, so I do think this might be more of a problematic game um, than the point spread would indicate, but I am expecting the 49ers to win, and I do think they're going to play with a pretty significant edge because they're going to be a little bit pissed off about how that Monday night game. But I'm curious as to your prediction, being that you're around the Cardinals and and uh, what what um, you have a good good feel for where they're at at this point in the year. Well, what I see from the Cardinals is well, this is this is the perfect opportunity to to steal a win. I I can't I can't predict that they're going to win but i can see a scenario in which i but i think it's gonna be a close game i do um mm-hmm. cardinals have done that most of the year i mean in terms of betting stats the cardinals are three six and one in real life they're seven and three against the point spread this year and so part of that is just a lack of confidence in vegas in the cardinals in general and what they can do but they've been very competitive and so you, you based on that at least they're not far off they're competitive I, I do think that now, and, and, and I was talking about this with, with my co-host on my show, is this might be a game, like if, if the 49ers are looking at the big picture of their schedule, do they want to rest more guys this week against a Cardinals team? They may, might win to face their the next part of the schedule. They have yeah, like they the got, Packers and the three, Saints. And three the, straight first place teams coming up. And so it... One maybe a trap game, but between look at all these offensive players that they're going to be missing um, with Brita, maybe not. Like you're talking, if they if they're missing all of these guys, or what's it's like six starters, they're probably going to be missing between Kittle and Sanders and Brita and Staley, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you got DJ Jones uh, on the defensive interior, mm-hmm. and so you've got a whole bunch of players missing. It's the perfect opportunity to for the Cardinals, who offensively they can move the ball is to be able to do something defensively, at least to limit Jimmy Garoppolo, because he looked like a, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo is as good as he was against the Cardinals? I don't think anyone thinks he's that good. 
but he can do it. He's he's done I expect, that. He's he, never thrown four touchdown passes before. That was the first time he did that. <laughs> but he had he had a few games that were that were at that level in 2017, which is why the 49ers isn't he, were so doesn't he feel like contract. the second iteration of Alex Smith in some ways? No, I think uh, in terms I of think the, there's more Tony Romo to his game. Okay, like, yeah, like that, that's, a good, who, that's a good comparison. Now, Tony Romo, I absolutely loved. Will will make a lot. Will will try to make a lot of plays. Will throw some bad interceptions, but will always err on the side of trying to fit a ball in a window that might not be there. Um, but the result of it will be a lot of interceptions and a lot of really incredible throws. Um, so and so he's he's good enough that. If you've got the right team around him, you can win. Like a really but good defense. Probably, probably no, he's really not going to be the game, yeah. he's not going to be the reason why you why the 49ers win a championship. But he's not going to be the reason why they're bad. Yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen. We, we've seen uh, we've seen <laughs> Joe Flacco and Nick Foles, um, you know, go go a little bit back farther. We've you know Trent Dilfer's won a Super Bowl. I, yes. I think uh, it, tremendous it could defenses. Happen. That that's that that's the saving grace is that the 49ers are that good defensively. Now, my prediction. Yeah. 28-27 San Francisco. I think it'll come down oh, to the wire, point. but and ultimately, one point. I think wow. it'll be a one-point game. I don't think it'll be. And either it will be... And, and notice how I took out the kicker potential. <laughs> yeah, 28 that's, points. that's the other, that's the other <laughs> issue. That's, Robbie Gould might not. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's the other part is Robbie Gould. Like, without Robbie Gould. Now, granted, Gould, Gould hasn't been super... Yeah, he's been bad. He's, been, he's not been great this year. Yeah. <laughs> But when but when you look at look McLaughlin and that that pressure kick, ooh, yeah, and if, I've seen all the memes if, and all if the Niners. It was if, so bad. If it was that close um, against the Cardinals and and the the Niners are in danger of losing that game, um, the entire Bay Area might collapse in on itself because this week was one of the more interesting weeks in terms of. Um, Twitter reaction and and everything that went wrong. Um, I do just want to say, as the week's gone on, the more uh, I feel like the loss was is probably less important in the grand scheme of things. Just just looking at how it went, because you don't have George Kittle, you don't have Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, the only times the Seattle Seahawks scored touchdowns were off of turnovers. They had twenty one points off turnovers. And the Niners' defense held them up, I think, just to a couple field goals on like 13 possessions or something like that. Uh, which and the Seahawks had one of the best offenses in the league. But um, yeah, I, I just don't think the Niners should be all that concerned about that game. I know it was a bad loss, and and they had an opportunity to win it, obviously, with a kick in overtime. But if they're healthy, which they're aiming to be, they're trying to get their guys healthy, which I think is a reason why Kittle's not going to play Sunday. They'll be better down the road. So. That being said, I know that was that was kind of a weird time to go on a tangent uh, about an old game, but Jess, I do want to thank you for um, for coming on with us this week on short notice, and uh, and why don't you plug your plug all your work and uh, where people can find it? Well, if you're familiar with Kyle's work on Niners Wire, you can find my 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 writing on Cards Wire, where the, it's the sister site there in the NFC West. Um, if you if you're ever interested in listening to a Cardinals podcast, we've got the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I don't know why Niners fans would want to listen to Cardinals podcast, but if you're out there, There's give it a try. It's all it's all wanted, so <laughs> you can you can find our the Rise Up Sea Red podcast on any of the pl- podcast platforms out there. All right, Jess, thanks a lot for uh, for joining us, and uh, Kyle and I will be back early next week to recap this game and, and talk about all the stuff that happened. 
and uh, we'll talk to you guys then. All right. Thanks for having me on.